Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. said earlier we're doing a series at the moment called when jesus met and when stephen viv asked me to do this talk i knew exactly who i wanted to talk about um my favorite story and it's when jesus met the samaritan woman um, and i was trying to work out the other day why do i love this story so much and there's a few reasons one of them is that it's actually the longest conversation someone has with jesus in the new testament and you really kind of get to see a sense of who he is not only as the Son of God, but also the Son of Man, and just his real um, humanity and humility about him. And also, um, yeah, just the normalness, the everyday of who this woman is, what she's doing, and um, yeah, just Jesus and how he shows up in the everyday. So um, what I'm going to do is, if you can turn to your Bibles to John chapter 4, I'm going to read... Uh, verses 1 to 29, so please bear with me. It is quite long, as I said, um, but I think it's good to go and get a full context of... Sorry. Uh, a full context of the story. So, um, it does appear on the screen as well. Great. Thank you, Tabby. <laughs> um, Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples... So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through, through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan came to draw water, Jesus saw, said to her, "'Will you give me a drink?' His disciples had gone into town to buy food." The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you know, knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have give, asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed. Sorry. <laughs> the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. 
for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one to who, to, who am speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And I'm going to leave it go. The story does go on if you want to carry on reading later, but I am aware of time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so let's go back to the beginning of the story just to get some context. Jesus, at this particular time, had been in Judea where he'd become quite a big celebrity. Um, people have been following him around, trying to grab his clothes, as we have from Nisha's story, that he'd been um, speaking to thousands of people. And the Pharisees were becoming aware of this. And first before Jesus, there was John the Baptist who was kind of making way for him. And he gained lots of disciples himself and followers baptizing them. And the Pharisees were really mad about this. So mad that they imprisoned John. So when Jesus came along, um, they were absolutely fuming. And they would probably have crucified him if he had stayed in Judea any longer. And... Um, in God's perfect timing, Jesus knew it wasn't the time to stay there. In fact, it was the time to flee from persecution and go back to his original hometown of Galilee. Um, and what I love about the story is how it starts. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. And um, as you can see from the map, um, on the next slide, thank you, um, the Jews hated the Samaritans. Um, there's a few, I think most of you might be aware of the story, the Good Samaritan. Um, where Jesus just uses a Samaritan to kind of rile them up and, and make them, yeah, uh, yeah, just challenge them, really. And this, this hatred um, was generational. It was religious. They were almost of a different religion, but the same. It was um, generational, like I said. It had been going on for thousands of years. And um, I think it's most similar to, I think, if you think of Catholics and Protestants in Northern Ireland, um, if you're a Catholic, you don't walk down a Protestant street, and if you're a Protestant, you don't walk down the Catholic street. And this was the same for the Jews. If you're a Jew, you don't go through Samaria. So they often would choose, as you can see, to go over the River Jordan and go around rather than going straight through. But Jesus had said they had to go straight through. I don't know if this is because that was the quickest route and he was tired because he was walking, or whether he just knew because that's what God wanted him to do. Um, yeah, so that's a bit of context of where they were. So, Jesus, sorry, <laughs> oh, there we go. Jesus was tired from the journey, and he sat down by the well. It was about noon. And again, I just love the fact that it's just human Jesus. It's not this big, fancy Jesus that doesn't get tired and never grows weary like we sing about, the Son of God, which is true, but he's also the Son of Man. He was tired, he was human, he was needing a drink. He'd been walking for probably about six or seven hours. And I think that even says a lot about him. At the time, many people would use horses or chariots if they had money, but he was, he was too poor for that. He had to walk. He was thirsty, he was hungry. And when he saw the Samaritan woman coming to draw water, he needed a drink, he needed her. 
But the Samaritan said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And as I said, just of where Jesus was, I think many of us um, imagine him as, yeah, like I said, high and mighty Jesus feeding the 5,000 on a rock. And the, the other day I Googled pictures of Jesus. And as you can see, these are the kind of things that's come up. You have handsome Jesus, Jesus leading the masses, and my favorite, Jesus giving the peace sign. And, and I think a lot of our times as Christians, we imagine when we're talking to God or we're praying, we kind of imagine him up there at that level. But the truth of the matter is, at this very point in time, Jesus wasn't like that. He was tired, he was hot, he was fleeing persecution. He was a refugee, yeah. And I think for the Jews, when they imagined the Messiah coming back, and probably for the Samaritans as well, they probably imagined the first Jesus that we saw, but instead we have the prophecies um, that were written in Isaiah um, where it says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him nothing in his appearance that we should desire him and I just think if he came back today would we even recognize him Would we walk past him on the street if he asked us for money or a cup of water do do we really know who Jesus is so who is Jesus Thank you. So he was sitting down, tired, hungry, homeless, fleeing from persecution. And this woman came to him in almost the same respect. She was coming to the well because she was thirsty. She was tired. It was noon. This was unusual for a woman to go to the well at noon. There's a reason she was going, whether it's because she was being persecuted by her town. because she was a promiscuous woman. We don't know, we don't know. But we know that she is isolated from her community. Usually people go to the well in the morning when it's cool. Um, They would only go at this time if they were trying to avoid other people. So she reaches Jesus, who's also on his own, and they meet in the same, in exactly the same, he met her where she was at. He was tired, she was tired. He was fleeing persecution, she might have been fleeing persecution. And he asked her for a drink. And this woman is completely gobsmacked. One, because he's a Jew. Why would a Jew who hates Samaritans ask her for a drink? And two, because she's a woman. And I think at this time, around 2,000 years ago, they were a bit before feminism, apart from Jesus, of course. Um, And even Hebrew men, they wouldn't even speak to their wives in public. And this wasn't something they'd learned from the Hebrew Bible. In fact, I think the Old Testament builds up a lot of women and has a lot of feminist things to say as well. But it was just from what they learned. It was the culture. You didn't associate with women in public. You you were separate. Um, and, And yeah, Jesus was talking to her. So he breaks the barriers of sexism, racism, and social standards. He doesn't care about her religion. He doesn't care about her gender. He doesn't care about um, her sexuality. He cares about her. Um, So he asked her for a drink and she she again brings up, but I'm I'm not the same religion as you. I'm a woman. Why would you want a drink from me? And then he says, if you knew who I, who I was, who I were, who I was, Um, (laughs) Sorry, I've gone to the point where I've written all my notes down in handwriting. Um, Then you would be asking me for living water. And right then the woman realizes that this incredible man who doesn't care about 
where, where she's come from or what religion she is. He wants to give her something bigger than all of that. He wants to give her living water. And she doesn't really know what it is, but she knows she needs it. She knows she's desperate for it. And while she wants it, she still can't believe that he would want to give it to her because, because of her religion. Why me? Why not someone else? Why not a, a Pharisee who knows all the Bible? Why not someone that's from, from where you are, from Judea or Galilee? But it's, it's for her. And he chose to reveal her, himself to her. And, and when she tries to put up the barriers again of saying, but, but we, we worship on the mountain and you worship in the temple, he knocks them down. He says, but I don't care about that. I care about you. I know you. I know your story. I know that you've had five relationships that haven't worked out. And then it goes on. Not only does he want to say, I know who you are, and she's taken aback and she realizes, oh my goodness, this is a prophet. This is someone who knows me. Who's, who, he then reveals himself to her. He really is the Messiah. And I think he could have revealed himself to anyone, but he chose to reveal himself to this woman in particular. And then she realizes, and she runs off, and she goes to tell her whole town, this man knew me, this man is the Messiah. Could he be the Messiah? She even leaves her water behind, and that's where we really see what living water is. It doesn't matter. You know, she's forgotten her basic needs because there's something more important. And I think, honestly, for her and for many of us, life is so fragile I think we can be searching in relationships, we can be searching in other things for, for love, for connection, for community. Um, and even today, you know, it's so easy, you can go on Tinder, you can, you can get that connection with people, but is it lasting? You know, you can get married, but look at the levels of divorce today. You can love, have a loved one, but they could have cancer. We, life is very fragile, and I think last week, as we knew outside um, Zeke preaching, it's very easy to forget how comfortable we are until something goes wrong, like the library doors are locked, or a bigger thing in life goes wrong. You lose your job, you lose your husband, you lose a loved one, you lose someone close to you. And the only thing that you have to come back to is Jesus. He is the only lasting thing for relationship. And the amazing thing is, he's, he's searching for her. He was searching for her. He knew her before she knew him. And when he revealed himself to her, he did so in love. She, wouldn't, she wasn't offended. She didn't feel like he was accusing her. She felt that she was known. And that was, that was the greatest point of connection. That's what she'd probably been searching for in all of these other husbands, to be known, to be loved, to be accepted. And she runs off into her community, who she was outcast from, and tells them straight away. And um, the story goes on at the end to tell them um, of many Samaritans who came to know God through this woman, and that's how they remembered her. They didn't remember her for how many men she'd slept with. They remembered her for having this great gift that she was able to share with them. And um, I found later in Matthew 10, um, it says here, we are intimately linked in the harvest work. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. This is a large work I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed with it, by it. It's best to start small. Give a cool cup of water to someone who is thirsty. 
the smallest act of giving or receiving makes you a true apprentice, you won't lose out on a thing. And that's exactly who this woman was. She was a disciple. She'd accepted Jesus as a prophet and she'd given him a cup of water. And by doing that, Jesus had then empowered her to go out and tell the whole community. She was as good as a true apprentice and he saw that in her. And I think so many of us in today's age can get caught up in what we're doing. We can get caught up in our jobs. We can get caught up in our relationships. We can get caught up in um, anything that, that we're worried about, to be honest. But, but Jesus sees us as more than that. He, he knows the plan he has for us. He knows us. He knows deep down the, to the bottom crevices of our heart, he knows us that well, and he loves us. And it's a simple message. Jesus loves you. He knows you. And, and he has so much more for you. And he, you don't have to go out and be someone special. You don't have to know all the Bible. You don't, know, you don't have to be a good Christian person. None of that matters to him. All that matters is you. And I was watching the Madeleine McCann documentary, and um, her mum just said something that really struck out to me. She said, every parent loves their child, and their biggest fear is losing one of them. And, and that's, that's what God is like. His biggest fear was losing this woman that he knew so well. His biggest fear is losing um, any person in this world because he loves them so much. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And yeah, I think we'll, we'll have a time of prayer in a minute. But just, I just want you to kind of stand and be who you are, where you are. God knows. God knows exactly where all of you are at this moment. He knows where you've come from. He knows your whole history. And he loves you. And he doesn't want to lose you. So, yeah, let's just, just stand and pray and go into worship. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.